They call it the witching hour, that time in the middle of the night when no humans are awake, when creatures of the night can hear them breathing, smell their blood, watch their dreams unfold. It's the time when the world is ours, when we can hunt, kill, protect. It's the time when I'm most eager to feed, but I must hold back. Because by holding back, by hunting only those animals whose blood never quickens with desire, whose hearts don't pound with joy, whose yearnings don't make them dream, I can control my destiny. I can hold back from the dark side. I can control my power, which is why on a night when I can smell blood all around me, when I know that in that instant I could connect to the power I've been resisting for so long and will resist for all eternity, I need to write. Through writing down my history, seeing various scenes and years connect to each other, like beads on an everlasting chain, I can stay connected to who I was back when I was a human. And the only blood I could ever hear rushing in my ears and felt pounding in my heart was my own. So writes Stefan Salvatore in the preface to the book, Stefan's Diaries, Volume 1, Origins. <laughs> it's so intense. <laughs> I know. <laughs> My right. voice got, like, I had like a, uh, like one of those whiffle burps that came up oh, in the middle. Yeah. I was trying to talk, <laughs> and it did that to me. So at one point it sounded like I was about to cry. But um, That's probably accurate, though. <laughs> That's good. No, and Stefan, yes. Hi, I'm Oraline, host of the podcast Spooky and Strange. Dustin and I are big fans of the Vampire Diaries TV series universe. Today, we'll be talking about the reverse adaptation of the supernatural soap opera into book form, coming up next. So you have a long to be read list and you don't know how to proceed. Just give yourself a break, my friend, because Dustin can read. Dustin can read. Welcome to Dustin Can Read, where Halloween season is creeping up on us. And today I get a chat with a recurring guest and one of my favorite people, Oraline, host of the Spooky and Strange podcast. How are you today, A? I am wonderful, D. How are you? I am doing great. I got a lot of reading done today, so I'm happy. <laughs> I am just, I, I'm ready to get into the angst of the Vampire Diaries. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> if you aren't familiar with Orlean, you should definitely check out her show, Spooky and Strange. You cover everything from like bloody comics to gothic short stories and some science fiction and pretty much everything in between. Yep, so, anything um, weird. Yeah, anything anything's weird or strange. <laughs> also, you can find her guesting on my show, which I realized I really just realized this that I got you on every episode for like books that were TV shows. That's cool. I like to watch TV and read. Yeah, we did. Um, I know I'm not okay with this. That was the first one. Then we did Gossip Girl, and then we talked about the upcoming Harriet the Spy adaptation and the movie. Because remember, it was yeah. it was earlier this month, this year. Have we ever this talked about an adult book? No, <laughs> and no, nothing that hadn't hadn't had an adaptation. <laughs> I'm gonna find this one. I just think it's watch the second we, we do that's gonna be announced, and we're like, crap. I feel like we're teen friends. <laughs> that's, <laughs> yes, that's where yes. We like to spend our time. 
Yes, we are. <laughs> anyway, um, what the audience may not know also is that we do have a deep love for the Vampire Diaries universe. And we talk about it in our DMs all the time, just randomly watching episodes here and there or kind of debating things like, do you think, you know, Stefan and Catherine should have been together? I don't know. I don't know if that's even one we came up with once, but <laughs> but that kind oh, of stuff. Yeah, just I've had so many thoughts. I've rewatched the TV show countless times. And sometimes I just jump in. Sometimes I just watch the first season because the atmosphere is delightful. Yes, it's very nostalgic because they changed and they polished it up a lot. When they start polishing, it doesn't feel it still feels fun, you know, because you like the characters, but it's just something changes. Yeah, I just when I watch the pilot of the Vampire Diaries, I just feel like I'm in October. Yes. I do too. I love that. I like, yeah, I get what you're saying. It's got that, that crisp, creepy air about it. Like it's Gothic. It's suburban Gothic. It is. You know? it's, like, it's like Virginia Gothic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. With a modern twist, but not too much to where it's like overpowering, you know, it's just, it's setting now. It's not all about, you know, the bright lights and it was definitely not about the bright lights. It's there's no bright lights. I mean, there's no. headlights, but that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> See, the thing is, I always call this the new Dark Shadows. I think of it as like the new Dark Shadows. Did you ever watch Dark Shadows, the actual show? You know, not I the, watched the Johnny old Depp? one. Yes. The the old soap opera? The cheesy one. Yes. My mom loved it. Yes. <laughs> it was awesome. It's great if you watch it because everybody thinks it's cheesy and campy, but they had to do that. They had an hour to do that in. They oh, had wow. like a, a recording studio that was down the street that recorded off their feet. And they only had an hour slot. So they had to get it done right away every day. So they didn't really have time to rehearse or anything. So when th stuff amazing. went wrong, it went wrong. <laughs> well, I mean, also imagine trying to make the Vampire Diaries without the magic of CGI. Oh, my God. Or just being able to speed up the tape and, you know, make them run fast, you know. Oh, my gosh. Oh. If you couldn't have their faces transform, it, it would come off differently. I know. It'd be like old school Buffy. Would they have oh to like cross fade really quick? Would they have a very quick <laughs> cut? <laughs> yeah. Yes. And you're like, oh, they're like, ah. And you're like, oh, shit. Okay. But <laughs> it I comes out of nowhere. Mean, yeah. The, what, no? the drama of Dark Shadows. I get what you mean. You know, and it's also kind of got the same setup. You have this old vampire who he awakens and then he sees this, you know, this governess and he re she reminds him so much of his lost love. Now, the first one, she there's a, a waitress in town who actually looks like his lost love, but he thinks the governess is the lost love spirit. Sure. And so he, she ends up going back in time and seeing how he's what? made into a vampire. Wow. No joke. And the same actors played like different members of the family back then. Oh. And yeah, there's a, they did a lot of time travel episodes. Um, they did like, they had like a, a different type of, they had a Phoenix storyline. They had a, a witch storyline, which is actually throughout the whole show. And they had a werewolf storyline. They had a uh, Frankenstein type storyline. Um, wow, I had no yeah, idea. It was really good. You know, it's you know they they were really inventive. Yeah, it was spread out and it's kind of got really like dramatic. Like, okay, just get to the point. You know, but um, it was still great and it was still that gothic. Like it wasn't because it was so done on the fly and it was so inventive for its time because nobody was doing that. You know, you know, doing special effects in real time and stuff. They had to like figure out how ghosts can apparitions could appear and you know, how people can change and they'd have to film some stuff ahead of time, but you know, it's really cool. Um, so but I, yeah, I, when I watch this, I'm like, that reminds me so much of dark shadows because of the time travel aspect, you got to see stuff in the past and learn about them and they got to play different versions of themselves. 
or some people got to play different characters. You know, no one ever really goes away mm. in some sense, you know. Um, Which we've also seen in the Vampire Diaries. Exactly. And that's what I love about it. Um, another close one, like I was saying to you before, is the Teen Wolf universe. It's kind of got this feel, too. There's like suburban gothic thing, but more Californian suburban. And they've got some great fun characters. And it's it's got a lot of its own folklore as well, just like the Vampire Diaries has. So, yeah, definitely check out Teen Wolf as well. I think that's on Hulu in the U.S. Okay. And Vampire Diaries is on Netflix in the U.S. So if you haven't seen an audience, but we're going to give you a little bit of the you know history of what happens. And you know what the Vampire Diaries, does anything count as a spoiler because you think something is true and then a couple of seasons later you find out something else and then you find out something else and then someone's related to someone else. And, and then something else happens that just erases all of that and you're like, wait, right. what? It's, it's almost got the <laughs> I like, love it. Um, comic book like, oop, we rebooted the universe vibe to it sometimes. Exactly. They do that every once in a while. <laughs> They're like, okay, we need to erase some crap. <laughs> we screwed up on the storyline. We need to, yeah. Somebody dies, and then all of a sudden they're like they're reborn, but they're a better character. <laughs> yeah, whoops! So like, we took this really character too character? far down this path, and we need them to have like a mystical brain aneurysm and come back. Exactly. <laughs> oh my god! So yeah, so basically, this isn't all just attuned to just the Vampire Diaries. It's it's also about its spinoff, uh, the originals, and for me, the other spinoff after the originals, which is currently on Legacies, which you still haven't watched, correct? I haven't. Okay. You're waiting for the whole show to be done? <laughs> yeah. This universe, if you just watch the Vampire Diaries from beginning to end, this universe is so huge. And So then, many episodes. And then you have more characters in more cities, more relations. Like, the number of small characters who appear in the Vampire Diaries over the seasons could populate a hundred shows. <laughs> I've seen the the pilot like a million times, I think, because I've shown it to other people like, watch this, you'll like it. Yes, and, I've seen um, the pilot so many times, but I still love it. I do too. Oh, I just, yeah, I just, it gives you that feeling, you know, even when it gets bad, <laughs> you're still kind of like, okay, go on, bad. guys. It gets bad. There are some where you're like, just get to the end of this episode. Just They're going to do something already. else soon. God, just get rid of him. <laughs> yes. But when it gets good, it's good. <laughs> that's the thing. It's like, that's the trade-off. You're like, it gets a low, but man, it gets a high right away, you know? Yeah, I mean, this show has made me cry. Yeah, it's very emotional, and you get really attached to these characters, and then, and then sometimes you have to, after a while, though, you do start going, all right, they're not going to be gone. They're going to come back somehow, you know? Yeah, I mean, as the season goes on, or as the season's gone, it kind of does become like, what if pretty people had problems too? <laughs> <laughs> I almost choked in my coat. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I mean, God, I love them, sucky. but like. It sucks to be pretty and wanted by different people. Everyone on the show is so attractive and they're all attractive in a certain type of way where it's like, how do you find this many people <laughs> who look like this? <laughs> and you're like, God, they just, they're, some of them are near perfect. <laughs> yeah. The town of vampires you're and like, werewolves is insanely attractive. <laughs> even the people who aren't vampires and werewolves, <laughs> it's like everybody is hot in this town. Yeah, it's a ridiculous. You ever notice that? Like everybody's now. attractive. Even like the husbands are always like you know businessmen, but they're not like you know 
they're not ugly and snarl faced, you know, they're, you know, and oh, the yeah. women I mean, are always kind of like either they're hot young girls or they're cougar moms. <laughs> yeah. You're either a hot young girl or a hot older woman. Yes, definitely. For different reasons though. Okay. We're getting into a different territory altogether. <laughs> Okay, so before I jump into the book, I wanted to explain some things for those of you who are not familiar with the Vampire Diaries TV series. First of all, I wanted you to know that the show is based on an original series of books by L.J. Smith, in case you didn't know that. But if you've read the L.J. Smith books, you'll notice major differences in the plot and the characters and the personalities. And I've actually tried to read the book series, but... That writing style was just not for me. There was something about it. I was like, I can't make it through this. I didn't um, like it. It just, I, yeah, it wasn't for me either. It didn't grab me. It was just kind of, okay, get to a point. And it didn't get there. But, you know, so I just basically stuck to the TV show like you. Um, but as the story goes, Julie Pleck and Kevin Williamson became close friends while working alongside Wes Craven on Scream. We all know that, you know, Kevin Williamson wrote Scream. Um, but after that, they decided they wanted to, you know, at some point they wanted to do a project together. Um, and Kevin Williamson had, you know, written and been the showrunner for Dawson's Creek. So, by the way, just for Dawson's Creek fans, in case you hear this, um, this is kind of a neat little turnaround. But um, after he left as showrunner, the next showrunner was Greg Berlanti. And Greg Berlanti did it for a couple of, two, a couple of years. And he's the one who produces all the, the, C, the CW's DC shows and titans and oh wow yeah now and also he directed love simon the movie and now produces the tv show love victor so i just think that's some kind of neat trivia for you so they all go back into tv <laughs> awesome yeah it's kind of cool anyway so over a decade later uh williamson and julie pleck were tasked with adapting the lj smith book into a television series but before Williamson even started the book, Julie Pleck looked it up. She was like, uh-uh, no, no, no. She called him and she said, don't even try to read it. <laughs> Just don't. But I know there's some good potential if we look at these characters and the setup, you know. And uh, so she kind of used it. And so, like, some things they decided to retool, especially, like, with the characters. But they also changed the, the town's name from Fells Church to Mystic Falls. And they also took out the Angels storyline. They, they didn't want it to be too religious sounding for what they were wanting to go for. And the end result helped them create their own mythology, sort of kind of like what Williamson did with, I know what you did last summer. You took the basis of the story mm -hmm. and then went to a completely different direction with it. Anyway, so the main premise of the show starts off with uh, the vampire Stefan Salvatore moving back to his hometown of Mystic Falls, Virginia, which he does from time to time. Sort of like the Cullens returning to Forks every so often. <laughs> um, that's what they did in Twilight. I don't know if you knew that. Anyway. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, Stefan's return also means that his mischievous and often cruel older brother Damon isn't far behind. And wherever Damon goes, the bodies start to pile up. You see, Damon loves to torment his holier-than-thou brother Stefan for reasons that come to light throughout the series. But nevertheless, they are brothers, and as many of us know, even though we can't stand our siblings at times, there is still, you know, that loving family bond that will keep us together no matter how much we torture each other. So, why did Stefan come home? Orlean? Oh gosh, so let's get a little primer on 
Elena, Catherine, and Stefan. So when The Vampire Diaries starts, we, the viewer, meet Elena Gilbert, a 16-year-old girl who lives in early 2000s, I want to say. Something like that. Modern times. <laughs> 2008, I think. Sure. Modern times. And when Stefan comes back to Mystic Falls, he sees Elena and realizes she looks so much like his long-lost love from the 1860s, Catherine Pierce. And as he learns more about yes. Elena and what happened to Catherine, we find out that Elena doesn't just look like Catherine. She is an actual doppelganger of Catherine's. And a whole mystical storyline spins out from there. With that, we have the basic premise to the Salvatore brothers and, you know, Catherine Pierce. Don't get me wrong, there's so much more to the Vampire Diaries universe that makes it fun and addicting. There's also witches and werewolves and, you know, more doppelgangers and even more teen angst than you can stand at times, mainly coming from the whiny Elena Gilbert. Now, before this starts to sound like a backdoor episode of Dustin Can Watch, let's go um, into this book. So the book is ghostwritten by someone. I couldn't find any information about who wrote it, but it came out in 2010. It's basically a flashback of sorts and all about the human brothers, Stefan and Damon Salvatore, and how they meet this undercover vampire debutante, Catherine Pierce. Undercover. <laughs> she's, you know, she's not saying that she's a vampire at first. She's just a normal girl. <laughs> Before she turns them into vampires that we meet on the TV series. So the diary starts in August in 1864, where 17-year-old Stefan Salvatore has just finished basically high school. It, that's a boarding school. It's called the Boys Academy. And I was like, ooh, that was a hard name to come up with. Yeah, very the Academy creative. for boys. <laughs> Don't know he doesn't go anymore because he's a man. Since the Civil War is still raging on, he's laying low at his family home so he can go to the University of Virginia. And once it's, you know, once the Civil War is over with, he wants to go to school. His older brother Damon is away fighting near Atlanta, and Stefan feels very much alone. And I just couldn't help go, I'm not a boy, not oh yet God. a real okay, man. I'm saying the same thing. I highlighted that line. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't resist. It was such I a was Britney mood. No longer a boy, not quite a man. That's a real sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a boy, not quite a real man. And not yet a vampire. <laughs> so discontent with the boring uh, people around him, including his stable hand, Robert, who only wants to discuss the war of the weather. The oh, war I'm and the sorry. weather, excuse me. Can I, can I clarify? Not stable hand. Overseer is the word that they specifically have chosen to use here. It, it sounds like they have slaves. That's all I'm saying. Oh, there is totally. They say the help or the servants. Oh, oh yeah, they, they super say have slaves. slaves. Like Damon's fighting for the Confederacy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like hello. And they have an estate. Yeah, they totally have it. <laughs> so Stefan's like me. I, I'm kind of bored with simple-minded people, and I'd prefer to learn something new or discuss some philosophy in life. You know, so he's kind of my type of people. I would, I would, we would get along really well. I think. And I, from the beginning, he's brooding. 
Oh, constantly. He's like, I, I love I, no it. one understands me kind of brooding, you know? Oh, absolutely. And like the brooding of like, this is my home and I love it here so deeply. Oh God, the feeling. <laughs> Why did that feel like a scene from when Harry met Sally almost? It just, <laughs> I highlighted it. Um, what was it? I glanced up at Veritas as I strode up the hill. Blooming lilies surrounded the large urns flanking the path to the front door. I could hear the faraway sound of the children playing near the servants' quarters. This was my home, and I loved it. Sweet, simple stuff. <laughs> so poetic. <laughs> yes, he's incredibly romantic. Anyway, so, now, so yeah, um, they hear of animal attacks in the area, animal attacks, Something is killing livestock in, on neighboring plantations. Even if you're not a fan of the TV series, you can guess where this may be going. <laughs> you mean it's not a fox? No, getting everybody. Stefan's father, Giuseppe, um, comes into the picture on, in this point, and he's kind of this opportunistic asshole who, you know, he supposedly came from Italy with nothing, but built his estate and is now trying to wed Stefan off to Rosalind Cartwright because her father controls the bank. I mean, that is this. If you're the richest guy in town, how are you going to get richer? Marry into the bank. <laughs> so Stefan barely knows Rosalind from childhood, and he's a romantic, but he just, you know, he wants to fall in love like a lot of us do. This is not something he wants for his life. But I got to say, even though his brooding can get annoying, I really like Stefan's idealistic ways. Like, what do you think about? that what do you think about him in, compared to other guys in that era you would probably go you'd have to go for Stefan Salvatore compared to everybody else oh I don't know um I don't know that's a good question I I think it's sweet but it's also hard when like I don't know he's just that guy who's like Oh, I know I have my future set for me and tons of money and servants and an estate and I don't even want it. <laughs> you know, so there's a little <laughs> bit little of that boy. where you're like, okay, Stefan, the future is so dark for you. Oh my God, you and Rosalind will have to host balls and stuff. Rough life. <laughs> but yes, he, he wants to fall in love. I yeah, get but, it. Gotta, but you also got to look at the, the woman he's being paired with. She's one of those... Those debutantes who's like, I can't do anything. And just kind of, she has no way to talk to people. And he's just like, I just want to talk like a normal person. <laughs> and she's just, I don't she's think he talks like normal people. I don't think he does. No one really likes talking to Stefan in this book. That's true. Everybody does kind of avoid him. That's what I mean. Like, I don't think he talks they like normal They really do. People. I didn't even think about that, how much he was alone, <laughs> except when he was with Catherine. No, like Catherine's oh, we'll the only one in the book who wants to talk to him. Um, but yeah, I get it. He's 17. Well, yeah. So basically he's, he's, yeah, he doesn't really want to get married either. He's like 17. <laughs> yeah. I just got out of school, which means this will probably make sure he doesn't go to college either. He wanted to go to college. Well, I mean, I question what, is he not going to war? Like, let's put aside, uh, don't fight for the Confederacy, but like. I think at that time, like if you had like. If a son was, they, did, they didn't usually put like all the siblings in, mm -hmm. they didn't make them all go. Okay. Because that'd just be too devastating to lose all your kids. Sure. Okay. But then it's like, that's devastating for the sibling who has to deal with the fact that, oh great, now it's all on me. 
<laughs> that and also I wonder if his dad would even let him go to college because he wants him to take over the estate like immediately. Yeah, I'm like, are you that tired, Giuseppe? My gosh, how old are you? Yes, he worked for to- literally nothing and now he has now he owns people. <laughs> yes, he worked hard. <laughs> oh my god, that's horrible. I know. I'm just saying these are 1864. I know he morals. literally does though. I mean, that's that was the time they owned people and that's bad. These are 1864 yeah, morals and good or bad, he was successful from nothing as an immigrant before exactly. a lot of immigrants. And- I get why he's such a hard ass because you could imagine building up this kind of wealth in one generation means you could lose it in one generation if your dumbass sons don't like carry this forward. Yeah. And like, whoops. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Giuseppe knows his sons. That's all I'll say. Like, we figure that out. <laughs> oh, yeah. He definitely knows his sons. He knows exactly what they're going to do next. He's like one step ahead of them sometimes, I think. The thing I spotted in the book, um, Stefan is returning home when he receives Catherine's coach arrive, which I kind of watched some old scenes and I was like, he was already home in those scenes and they're changing it to where he's returning home from from uh, Rosalind Cartwright's house and he sees her show up. Oh my gosh. I love that. A beautiful pale woman with cascading dark curls stepped out. She wore a billowing white dress cinched at her narrow waist with a peach colored ribbon. A matching peach hat was perched atop her head, obscuring her eyes. As if she knew I was staring, she turned. I gasped, despite myself. She was more than beautiful. She was sublime. (laughs) Oh, Stefan. (laughs) It's the most broody attraction ever. (laughs) He gasped. He gasped. He gasped. <laughs> she caught me gasping. <gasps> what kind of gasp was that? I wonder. It had to been a big gasp for her to notice. Oh, well, he hasn't really been around people, so he probably doesn't realize. <laughs> how, how much he gasps. <laughs> you gasped awfully loud, kid. What? <gasps> yeah, that's why she She's like, what? Uh, oh, hey. <laughs> Oh, okay. How you doing, kid? (laughs) Oh, also, I do have to add that she smiles at Stefan, and the book makes a point to note her perfectly straight white teeth. It's 1864. (laughs) No. Demon! Yes, instant demon. Like, that's how you know she's a witch. No one in America in the 1860s had perfectly white teeth. That's not a... No. If she actually looks like she walked out of 2010 into 1864. Okay, I get it. Like, Rosalind has maybe never brushed her teeth. I get it. Oh, no, she has never, ever. You know, they're like looking at some brown jumpers. (laughs) But I was looking back, I was like, but you know what? The Salvatores had money, so they maybe had somebody take care of their teeth a little bit more. 1864 America in the South. I think they brushed their teeth. I think they got the hang of it at this point. People using, you know, they said wooden teeth and teeth from dead people. I don't even think that we have real dentists yet at this point. (laughs) I don't know. Anyway, it, it stood out to me. 
as like so few people in that world would have had perfectly straight white teeth that yes, you'd notice, but also you'd be like, magic. Magic. <laughs> she's just that beautiful. It just happened. She's so lucky. Well, anyway, so shortly thereafter, Damon abandons the war and returns home, and which pisses off Giuseppe, their father. But she's always pissed off at Damon, so Damon can do no right. <laughs> Damon's like, I don't want to fight in this stupid war. He's like, you know, this is crap. We shouldn't have to be doing this. And he's yeah. right, he shouldn't have had to. But but also, as we learn from the show, I think Damon is pretty contrary in general. All the time. It's, even it's in his this personality. Book. Even if you're giving him something he wants, he's like, I don't even want that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ass. I know exactly how he is. So we we also find out the roles of the townspeople have pretty much stayed the same. There's a sheriff Forbes, um, which that was in the creepy. present day is it's been a long time. That's yes. weird. <laughs> in the present day Vampire Diaries, it's Liz Forbes. It's Caroline's mother. That's and it, this is I guess her great grandfather like, or whatever. Last names would have changed a bit, like through merit. It's weird. It's weird. Yeah. No, they kept it inbred here. Or people went out, grabbed people, and brought them back. <laughs> There's also a Mayor Lockwood, which is always... I guess they just have these roles that they're supposed to play. And that's what they stay in there. Oh, you're going to be the next sheriff. You're going to be the next mayor. Okay. Um, it's kind of got a, you know, that corniness like the Fear Street movies had, in a way. Kind of, You know what I mean? Like, the goods yeah, are always like, in power. It's like faded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so yeah, they kind of reflect their roles in present-day Mystic Falls. And then all of a sudden we hear the Rosalind Cartwright's dog is killed. Oh no. What's the dog's name? I forgot. Wow. Us and Stefan did not care enough. <laughs> we did not. Um, well, he really didn't care, uh, but he comforts her anyway. And Damon was like, maybe it was the Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, unfortunately for Rosalind, like no one really takes this that seriously. Except they don't her. really care. Like, oh, no. God, get that damn dog out of here. I think her mother was probably happy too. <laughs> and remember, Stefan, even looking at the dog, was like, people shouldn't even have these little whiny dogs. A dog should be a hunting companion. <laughs> Chauvinist. Ugh. We also meet Pearl, the apothecary, and her daughter, Anna. And learn of Jonathan Gilbert, which is going to be Elena's great-great-grandfather or whatever. Um, he also has a thing for Pearl the Apothecary. Basically, they just kind of hint around that. But there's like, he's hanging around a lot. It's kind of like, yeah, we know. If you watch Vampire Diaries, yeah, that's the deal. So I want to know, is the Mystic Falls Tavern now Mystic Grill? Oh, my God. Do you think Matt's great-great-great-grandmother <laughs> like worked there? Is, is, is that what's going on in this town? Is there a trailer park down the road? In 1864, do they have trailers? No, I think you got a cabin still. Yeah, yeah, you had a Something cabin out like in the that. middle of the woods. And I don't also, I don't remember there being prostitutes in Mystic Falls, but, you know. Okay. So it's basically an old saloon, if you think about it. That's what it kind of sounds like. Stefan wants to love Rosalind, but he just can't keep his mind off of Catherine. I mean, I know. He doesn't I'm, work that hard either. No, but I mean, I, w I guess I don't think much pe many people would be able to keep their mind off of Catherine if she started talking to you. There, she has that power about her. 
whether she's do- compelling you or not, you know? Okay, yeah. Interesting question I thought about as I read this is from the first moment Stefan meets Catherine, we don't see every scene they have together and we know she's not to be trusted. So we don't know exactly when she starts like mind influencing him. Yeah, she's already, yeah. You know, and it's obvious that Damon's thinking of her too, and he's causing a little bit of jealousy in Stefan because Damon's kind of hanging out with her a little bit more. Yeah, it seems like she's dating Damon. And then Stefan is once again just like walking by himself, moping. And see, oh, I forgot to even mention this. Uh, Catherine came, supposedly, her cover story is that her family died in a fire in Atlanta. And now she's an orphan girl and she needs help. And so Giuseppe says, oh, come stay in our, our um, guest house. And she's like, oh, well, you know. Well, it was like a friend of a friend of a business friend. So. Yes, down at the, yeah. I think it was Catherine. I believe that a bunch of people died in a fire in Atlanta. They just weren't her family. <laughs> there was a huge fire. Yeah, they, did. they burned a lot of Atlanta down. Yeah, so that was her cover story. So that she's just, you know tragedy has befallen her and she needs some place to be, you know, so because she's a proper girl. But I mean, from the moment we meet her, she's so forward, you know, yeah, there's actually nothing proper about her behavior, her mannerisms. And even as we learn, like her dress, because she's constantly wearing these like little slips and things showing her oh, ankles. Stefan mentions seeing <laughs> her ankles and he gets hot. He I does. Just, he's like, they're like, he's, they're quote skinny dipping, which they weren't really, but you know, they're wearing the yeah. undergarments and. I I had it highlighted God. somewhere where like he sees a flash of white ankle and I was like, Stefan. <laughs> <laughs> it was a perfect scene. Although before, before well, we before get Before that there, happened actually. Yeah. Yes. So they're going to, you know, they're like, all right, so now Stefan's got to propose to this Rosalind Cartwright girl. Oh, wait. He really doesn't want to. Wait. So there's a quote I want to read about why he has to propose to Rosalind. Okay. Damon couldn't understand because he was wild and untamable. So much so that father had entrusted me, the younger brother, with the future of Veritas, a role I now found stifling. I just love that he describes Damon as untamable when he's a regular human. <laughs> You're like, uh, um, so yeah. So Stefan is going to have to propose to Rosalind Cartwright and he's going to have a dinner. They're having a dinner for him at the house or they didn't go to the house. They went to, where was it? Some banquet hall. Um, It was a place like in between their house and town, some kind of fancy, yeah, like hall that they owned or rented. I couldn't tell. I guess they just rented it out for the night. But, you know, Stefan's dad's throwing his huge dinner and everybody knows what's going to happen. So he's planned to propose to her. Um, (laughs) It's kind of one of those things like, why? Why are you forcing this marriage? He's resentful of having to be the responsible brother, basically, as well. Because, you know, Damon's always, you know refusing to father his father. Ah, Damon is always refusing to follow his father's wishes. And Stefan feels like somebody has to or something like he has a duty all the time. That's why he's so broody. Yeah. Stefan is all about that. Like uh, taking on a duty that no one has put on him directly. But I think everybody, but you know, what's funny. His father knows that's what he's put on him, you know, 
and he doesn't care. He's like, this is what you're going to do. Well, so, yeah, yeah I, I think, I unfortunately, know. Stefan gets manipulated by his father, by Catherine, by probably sometimes Damon. Yeah. He just lets himself get too influenced too. And I think that's a lot why I'm, I'm a lot like Stefan. So I kind of get scared if I'm ever turned into a vampire. Um. <laughs> yep, that's what to be afraid of. Not the murder. But like, like your malleability with other people. <laughs> <laughs> I forget about the murder. The bodies are just bodies. <sighs> so yeah, he's resentful of Damon and all that and all the stuff he has to do. And what I noticed was that Catherine at one point was, you know, we get introduced to Honoria Fells, which mm-hmm. bothered me because even in the show, it's the Fell, like their last name is Fell. Yeah. But you get Fells from Fells Church, which was the original name of the town in the books. Oh. So they changed it. And I'm like, yeah, but didn't you, we're going by the show here, lady. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you write Fell. So it bothered me so much. <laughs> Every time I saw Fells, and I'm like, no, Fell. Anyway. So, uh, yeah, Catherine talks to Stefan in the study and, you know, she's like, oh, I hope you have a great marriage. She's being all forward with oh, him and wait. everything. Wait, before we get there. Yeah, there's this huge engagement dinner. There's like lanterns and like tons of people and servants and this big to do. Right. And like everybody's mm-hmm. watching and Stefan just walks out of his own party to go to the study. <laughs> <laughs> I got to take a breather. <laughs> I need to brood somewhere. Gotta get my brood on. To go read brood. Shakespeare and brood, <laughs> which is so <laughs> funny to me when he's like, Shakespeare calmed me. Oh, Stefan. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm like, oh my God. And then there's like the history of Mystic Falls. And I'm like, you guys aren't, you haven't been established that long, have you? Oh my God. You already have a yeah, history it's been volume a printed years. up. <laughs> I mean, you are literally the founders <laughs> of this town and you already have a history written. How freaking like, my gosh, narcissistic are these people? They're pretty narcissistic, <laughs> though. But yes, Catherine follows him in because she is a little demon, um, literal and, you know, metaphorical. She's trying to wreck <laughs> shit. She's like a real Basically, housewife. Yeah, she's like, <laughs> oh, I'm just so happy. And she's like, touches his hand and stuff like that, you know, and like, oh, come on, Catherine. And he's like, I can't stop thinking about her. I can't stop thinking about her. And so he leaves that situation. He goes for a little walk. Oh, and that's where he's she like, says, she says to him, the temptress, poor, sweet, steadfast Stefan. Haven't you learned yet that rules are made to be broken? You can't make anyone happy. Your father, Rosalind, the Cartwrights. If you're not happy yourself. Hmm. You can just hear her going like, mm, I worry about you, Stefan. Mm. It's you I'm worried about. And he's just feeling like she's he wants to be a man, and that's what he's thinking. That's what it takes to be a man at some point. You know, subconsciously at least. Yeah. Yep. Like he's So he's seen- like, but he's all filled with like, but I'm supposed to do this, but I like Catherine, but I'm supposed to do this. And he's all, uh, uh, which way do I go? Oh God. And <laughs> so he that's just kind of takes a walk. That's literally what it's like. That's literally. It's exactly he's what he's like doing. He's like, what do I do? Leo DiCaprio hair in his face. when you're. <sighs> Didn't he like at one point he's talking about the she loves me, she loves me not and the pulling the flowers. Yes. <laughs> so so we he has got a that. vision of like Catherine running barefoot in the fields behind the guest house. Me chasing after her. Our young son, son slung over my shoulder. That's not what's going to happen. 
<laughs> not in this, not in this story. No. So, but he ends up finding Rosalind's dead body by a tree and her throat's been slashed open and it's, you know, everybody's like, he's calling, oh my God. And he basically passes out, I guess. But um, yeah, not before getting a real good dig in something like her eyes looked more interesting than they ever had when she was alive. Like, come the fuck on, <laughs> Stefan. That's rude. She was a person. I know. I forgot about that. All my notes were gone. So Ugh. dismissive of her. Like, I'm, I know you don't love her, but come on. She's a person. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like Stefan has so much going on mentally, like intellectually. I either. know. <laughs> he likes his Shakespeare. Oh. <laughs> so Stefan ends up spending more time with Catherine and um, they're, you know, talking, he's, but he's still kind of brooding over Rosalind now. Like he feels guilty that he's doing this right after Rosalind died. And I'm like, you wanted to do this, whatever. Well, he <laughs> should kind of feel guilty because it was their engagement party and he was hanging out with Catherine. Like it is a little bit your fault. Yeah. He should have been looking for her, but she was probably out there looking for him. And yes. Oh, Stefan. You just got to go, oh, Stefan. <laughs> so everybody's thinking, oh, it was coyotes that killed Rosalind, but Giuseppe's like, no, it was vampires. It was totally vampires. Well, because people keep dying in what freak coyote accidents? <laughs> <laughs> All the time. Coyotes just jumping people left and right. You're like, right. don't go out in the woods. Why? Coyotes. It's like, we have a town. Why would there be so many coyotes? <laughs> <laughs> Why are they grabbing people? <laughs> so Stefan's like, you know. He's like hanging out with Catherine a lot. And eventually, I mean, I'm skipping over a little bit here, but he basically sleeps with her. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. She they bites him. Yeah. And he realizes he's a vampire, but now he's not afraid. And, oh, you know, he's like, well, maybe there's good vampires. And she's like, yeah. What if vampires are angels? <laughs> <laughs> she's my angel. <laughs> oh, but also this whole time, like, she and Stefan are like sneaking away, making out, having their cute little whatevers. And she's still kind of hanging out with Damon too. And Stefan is just kind of like, well, I'm just going to ignore whenever they seem to have spent time together. <laughs> yeah, they don't do anything. They're just talking. Yeah. And even Catherine, though, at one point, she's like, I, you know, I love you, Stefan. Damon's like a brother to me. Oh, I'm I like, highlighted really? that. Because she says it so, she says it like three times in the same paragraph. Like she says the word brother, and I was gonna be like, Stefan, you gotta be suspicious of that. It's a little bit too much, right? Like she's really trying to convince you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, here it is. He's like a brother to me, she said, touching my brow with her icy fingers. You know how angels <laughs> have icy fingers. Um, I'm like his little sister. Angels are the coldest hands, but the warmest hearts. <laughs> I'm like his little sister. You know this. And Stefan goes, but all those times when I was sick, when you and he were together, it seemed like dot, dot, dot. And Catherine says, it seemed like I needed a friend. Damon's a flirt. He doesn't want to be tied down, nor would I want to be tied to him. You are my love, and Damon is my brother and my friend when I need one. I was like, ooh. But you're, but you're sleeping with <laughs> them, so it's, it's like incestuous. It's gross. Like, <laughs> Catherine, you don't have to go this know, far. Like, you don't ooh. have to say brother this much. 
And this is pillow talk. That's the thing. <laughs> this whole thing is pillow talk. And it's like, oh my God. <laughs> um, so Giuseppe takes Steph into the first vampire council meeting of the founders where Jonathan Gilbert shows that he has been, invented this compass that can detect, it basically point in the direction of vampires. And it's not finished yet, but he's still working on it. And he knows how to get it working. I don't know how he knows this, but I forgot, and, I forgot how he found that out. But And as we've seen in the show, that compass comes back. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, it does. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is a reason it's around. Um, Cordelia, I guess it's their servant, the Salvatore's servant. She knows about herbs and stuff. So she introduces them to Vervain, which in the show, Vervain can really seriously hurt a vampire it can also protect you from being compelled by a vampire if you're wearing it or if you've ingested it. And so. she mentions at some point that at least in 1864, it grows everywhere. Yeah, that was what was weird. I wonder what happened to it. And I think we found out at one point in the show. And I forget sometimes because I've watched it, you know, but I yeah, watched the I whole think, universe. So <laughs> I think the vampires wiped it out at some point on purpose. And that's why there's like small quantities that people have saved. Yes, like the Salvatore's great 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 nephew or something. I'm like, yeah, but they... I thought that was anyway. interesting that they would write in that like it grows everywhere. I did too, but I mean, I guess it gets spelled out more further on in the books because there's more mm-hmm. books than this one. Okay. So basically, also Stefan is basically a spy for Catherine. He doesn't tell her everything he sees in this meeting right away, but he, you know, he you know tells her what's going on that they're gonna get the vampires. Because maybe um, she's just misunderstood. <laughs> oh, Stefan, like, it's a good thing he's not in charge of the estate because you could have scammed this guy really good. Oh, yeah, you could. Oh, my God. He was not ready to take over at all. My God, they would lose everything. <laughs> He'd trust everybody. Ugh. So for some reason, like, he takes a break from Catherine and Damon, uh, you know, gets him to go play cards with the soldiers at the, at the camp he's been hanging out with, you know, just visiting friends. And then he finds out there that's where Damon know he knows that Damon knows about Catherine being a vampire as well. Which is wild. One, like you keep that secret. And two, you're not like, what, what, what this whole, like maybe <laughs> vampires are okay. What? It's just crazy to me that it's not a bigger deal. That like, and that's why I wonder. He's like, oh, okay. Has she already gotten into both of their brains so that they don't freak out about this? Because that's the only thing I could think. And then you're like, when did she start compelling them? And I'm guessing it's from the moment she met them. I think it's like probably from the moment she met them. I think right away she starts, and then starts like deleting their memories too. So when he writes in his diary, he doesn't remember it right then. You know, yeah. oh, yeah, I think. but he knows what to do when stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Woo. So, OK, so he leaves Damon with the soldiers because a, a, a fight breaks out and he ends up on his you know, hightailing it back home. And then he sees in the woods Pearl and Anna and they're walking alone. He's like, I need to help them. And it turns out they're vampires and they're meeting up with Catherine in the woods. And Pearl tells her story about I can't remember where she's from. Was she from Richmond or where, uh... where was she from? I can't remember actually. Somewhere, but it was during the world, the War of Independence, and her whole family got sick with um, her whole family got sick dying of consumption. Mm. 
And the only ones left were her and Anna. And so she met Catherine and Catherine's like, all right, I'll turn you into vampires. And so they didn't die, obviously. Well, they did, but you know, they weren't gone. So she's the apothecary and she kind of feels this, you know, unity with Catherine. Right. Yeah. Um, of course. Allegiance for her. Meanwhile, Stefan falling for Catherine even more wondering about what a vampire might be like. And also, you know, like we said earlier, he started scandalously playing in the water <laughs> and loving on her ankles. Um, oh my God, it's so funny. I couldn't stop staring at the delicate white of her ankles. <laughs> it's 1864. Like, there's a war on. This is not the most prudish time. <laughs> Things are happening, yes. Things are changing. <laughs> So they end up going to the the, um, the founder's ball. Catherine's like, "You're gonna be. I want you to escort me." And that's when she he say, she tells him about the. You know, I think you're of Damon as a brother. I think. Yeah, and it's a huge, huge big deal that she like gets him all worked up and is then like, oh, "I want you to take me to the founder's ball." And then she like scampers away or something. Yeah, so he's like, "Oh, okay." Like it's everything like, Girl, she man, does, you are such an easy mark. He is a very easy mark because Such I think she mark. probably just like blinks her eyes and like breathes in a little and is like, Stefan. And he's like, what do you need, Catherine? I'll kill someone for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, <laughs> they go to the founder's ball and they they meet up with the Cartwrights and the Cartwrights are flat out. You didn't really mourn our daughter very long, and you never came to check up on us and see how we were doing. I mean, <laughs> after that is our daughter rude. died, that is rude. I know, that is, Stefan. <laughs> you just got engaged with her. You've been hanging out with her for so long, and you don't even come by. And he's like, "Oh, I, I didn't know you were ready to receive visitors. So now that I know, I'll come by." <laughs> now that I'm banging this new hot chick that I'm holding hands with right here, I'll be sure to drop by and give you my blessings. <laughs> Good tidings to you. And he notices that they have Vervain attached to their their outfits. Um, and then for some reason, Catherine still is able to swindle them and make them turn their frowns upside down. She just pays them a little compliment and, you know, says, we're very sorry about your about your daughter's death. And she says something. I can't remember what she says, but I mean, I get it. It charms like, them. Catherine is charming because at this point, not that we know it in this book at this point, but she's been alive for so long that she has learned how to con anybody. Anyone, not just like humans. It's anybody. Yeah, it can anybody. be any supernatural she creature. Is like a master manipulator at this point. Not that we have any idea, and Stefan and Damon certainly have no idea. But that's what we will learn in the show. Yes. And I'm sure in these books as well, because there's more to it than what it gives you the basic setup, though. So that night they go and make love again and Stefan ends up going to uh, and they talk about, you know, he tells her about the compass finally and he's like, don't worry, I'm going to talk to my father. I know he, I know he's smart enough. He's a smart man. He'll he'll totally go along with it. And he later he goes on to talk to, to Giuseppe and is like, hey, maybe vampires aren't so bad. You know, maybe there's some good ones and some bad ones. Oh, <laughs> not like, even no. that. He also says they walked among us. They cried human tears. All they wanted was a true home and to be loved. Stefan, honey. <laughs> I mean, that is true for some, I'm sure, but not these. 
Spencer's like killing people left and right. Come on. Stefan, they also want your blood. Come on. <laughs> we just want to drink. We need something to drink. So he goes and, you know, he's telling, you know, Giuseppe's like, no, they're demons. You shut your mouth. <laughs> I won't hear this. So he he thinks, well, hey, maybe we can just talk about it and we could talk to the council and just to see what, you know, get where everybody weigh in. And uh, yeah, Giuseppe goes along with Stefan and he's like, yeah, yeah, son, let me let me hear your thoughts. Let's definitely do that tomorrow. That, yeah, that's important. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. Because everyone knows how to play Stefan in this book. <laughs> and he just takes the word for it. Ugh. So, yeah, he ends up like, all right, great. Okay, good. Thanks, Dad. And he runs down to see Catherine. And he's like, hey, Catherine, guess what? Dad is totally cool. And we're going to get to talk about this. And she's like, oh, I knew you were the right man for the job. And it was like, that should have been your first clue when she said that out loud. Yep. <laughs> Just such disregard. She's like, yep, I used you to my advantage. It's exactly what she was saying. And I was like, oh, man, how are you missing this? But he's, he, he's not, not he's getting any of it. With her. He's not picking up on anything. Well, it goes to show you that he's 17 and he's totally, you know, going by hormones alone, mostly. <laughs> oh, good. So then she ends up biting him again. He's like, yes, I'd love to feel her teeth beneath my skin and all this stuff. And, and then she just starts choking. He's like, she's like, what did you do? What did you do? And then Giuseppe bursts in and... They end up muzzling Catherine. She's foaming at the mouth. And all then all of a sudden, Stefan just suddenly turns it all off and says, she was like a monster, an animal. When I heard him call her an animal, it changed everything. And I couldn't look at her the same way kind of thing. And it's all he could think about is his disgust for her now. Jeez, I was Stephen. like, how did that happen? Seriously, it's like night and day. He's all of a sudden like, I'm going to protect all of you. I'm going to keep you safe. And then like, ugh, you look rough. <laughs> Animals. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then, yeah, he literally, like, runs out of the... Like, he runs he's like, go from get the, her. Go get the mayor. Go get the town, you know? And he goes and he goes, all right. Uh, uh, vampires at Veritas. He's <laughs> like, Salvatore Mansion, there's need help. But I'm then like, he just, like, stands there as he watches everyone run towards his house. I know. And he just doesn't do anything. Oh, my God. He ends up returning, though. And... He sees Damon's trying to protect Catherine. He's like, no, no, no. You know, I, you know, just let us leave. I'll go with her. You won't ever hear from us again. And this just disgusts the hell out of Giuseppe. And Damon's pissed at Stefan for, you know, the whole situation, which, I mean, you should be because he just turned yeah. on her all of a sudden. <laughs> and he's such an idiot. But it was very obvious what Stefan was doing. Like, hey, I'm trying to save this vampire chick I'm banging. Also, <laughs> when he was talking I love, to Giuseppe. I love how he was constantly like, I would sneak out at night under the cover of darkness. You have a whole mansion of people watching you. Someone knows that you're sneaking to the carriage house. They even mentioned that Alfred is like watching him and he kind of gives a look at him at one point like, oh, uh -huh. he's watching everything, you know. They know that you and <laughs> Catherine are hooking up. They're not stupid. I mean, look at the way Catherine is in front of just everybody. Crap. So he goes and gets the mayor and everything. And yeah, everybody comes and, you know, they almost, you know, they're pulling, they're getting all these vampires at once now. Now they're going on a raid and they're picking up everybody and they go and they, they get Pearl. That's what, you know, Jonathan Gilbert sees that Pearl is a vampire because the compass is po pointing at her and he shoots her, I guess, I think, or didn't he shoot her with an arrow or something? Something like that. 
But yeah. the whole time this is happening, Stefan is doing this like back and forth. Like, did Catherine love me? I don't think she ever loved me. Maybe she just compelled me. And then he's like, now I hate her. Now I just hate her. And like, I don't want to save her. And, and then, then he sees that Damon was like, really, I want to stay with her. You no, know, let me save her. And so he realizes Damon actually really did love her because he loved her because of everything. Yeah. Everything about I, her, even her vampirism, everything. He knew who she was. Yeah, I have that quote. It was then that I realized Damon loved Catherine. He loved her despite or maybe because of her dark side. Yes. When I'd seen Catherine lying bound on the floor, foaming at the mouth, I'd felt a stomach-turning revulsion. But Damon's love for Catherine transcended her current state. Damon loved Catherine so much that he'd accept the vampire side of her instead of pretending it didn't exist. And in order to be truly happy, Damon needed to be with her. Wow. I mean, both of them felt very hard for Catherine. Yeah. But for different reasons, you know, she represented because, you know, Stefan fell for the game. And I think Damon really saw who she was. He could see everything, everything. And, yeah, and he was OK he played with along it. with it. But she knew she couldn't manipulate him that because he would see it coming then. I think that's what well, it was that she went for Stefan. And I, I also do question like. She may have really loved Stefan because he's kind of like a puppy. Like he it would be easy to love this Stefan. You know what I mean? He's innocent. You know. He's innocent. He's, he's an innocent sweet, kind of he's person. Earnest. He's just so he just wants to like serve her. And, you know, yeah. And like that it would be easy to love someone who was like devoted to you. Naturally. It's always about her though in the end. It is. <laughs> 100%. It's always about her. It always comes back to how she's feeling. So, yeah, they go. And so Stefan feels really bad about, you know, Damon falling in love with her. She goes, All right, fine. I'm going to help you ca get Catherine back. So they go and they see the carriage or wagon that's carrying all these vampires all tied up and bound. And some of them dead. And they stop the, the, the soldiers or whoever are with them. And they, hey, there's more vampires over there. Go over there. I just saw them run into the woods. And so the stupid soldiers leave their post. It was so easy. <laughs> and they go and they get Catherine out. And then as soon as they get her out, they get shot. Then Stefan wakes up as a, in tra a transitioning vampire. Yep. He dies. He, he gets he shot. He knew he died. He too. He's like, I'm dead. <laughs> yep. And then also what's interesting is when he wakes up, he says, she killed Rosalind. I knew it in the same way I'd known Damon loved Catherine. It was if a cloud had lifted only to reveal more blackness. So when he died, the compulsions she wore she off. she didn't kill Rosalind. The compulsions wore off, though. That's what we learned from the TV show, is when you die and yes. you come back, like you none finally of that remember magic everything that applies to you. And it sucks when that happens sometimes because sometimes they do it out of, you know, they're trying to take care of you and they don't want you to feel bad about something. So they, you know what I mean? Something that you couldn't control or, you know, somebody died and they don't want you to feel that bad. So then all of a sudden you have to get it all back at once. Oh, that would be horrible. All yeah, that feeling I, that's been repressed. I have a lot of thoughts about compulsion from watching the show so many times. And I think it's like one of the core plot devices of the entire show but it also feels so like unethically dirty and not seen that way in the show enough 
the way that it's just like done. Oh to no, people, it's not. It's mind control. It's mind control, and there's a lot of like very sexually questionable situations. <laughs> but that's in the show. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> that's in the show. So yeah, he wakes up and he's like, oh my god, he, you know, all that stuff, and he knew all the stuff about Catherine, and he started all those memories started coming back, and he looks over and there's Emily, Catherine's quote servant, <laughs> Emily Bennett, who later on would be Bonnie's great great grandmother, um, who's in the current present day show, which is one of Elena's friends. Yeah, and, because everything uh, that happens in this town was determined 200 years ago by literally like the bloodlines. That's it. <laughs> That's all exactly. Nobody left that damn town. But um, so yeah, he she has given him a lapis lazuli ring, which is what Catherine wears around her neck so she can walk in the daylight. And it's it's an enchanted ring by witches. So Emily is a witch. It's not stead in this, I don't think, but that's mm-hmm. basically what she is. You just know. Um, he sees Damon, who is also depressed because now he's in transition. And Catherine's dead in a fire. They find out that she and all the other vampires were put into the church and they were burned alive or undead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so Damon's like, I have nothing to live for. And so Stefan's like, I don't want to be a vampire. So I guess I'm going to die too. All right, let's Angst. do this. So much. Everyone's just angsting at this point. Everyone. Angst. Let's prove. <laughs> no, we got to die. Okay. But for some reason, Stefan's like, you know what? I need to go talk to, to dad. <laughs> Oh my God, Stefan! Like, <laughs> so he goes and he spies on the dad, and they're and they're talking about how oh we're just gonna say my my son's died on the attack of Willow Creek. They were out trying to scout for soldiers, runaways. It's not know. the worst cover story. It's pretty good. But they were ambushed and they got killed, and that's what we're gonna write in the history books. And and Stefan's like, what? You know, and then everybody leaves, and you know he goes in, which I was like, can he enter the house? Just enter the house, or does he oh. have to be a full-fledged vampire to that to fall into play? Because nobody had to be invited in in any of these damn things so That's far. That's true. I feel like he couldn't have just walked in because he already did the dying. But I don't know. And that bothered me about Catherine too when they went to the Lockwood Mansion because that's a residence, and right. they didn't have and- to be invited in to go to the ball. And they actually address that in the show when she does have to get invited in, very specifically to the Lockwood Mansion. So why did... Well, I knew that got answered in the show because once it changes hands, it's a new residence mm-hmm. kind of thing. Okay. It's somebody else's once it changes you know, contractually. So that's why... So different Lockwood owning it would, would you know reset everything, I'm sure. Okay. But, but I yeah, think she probably got into that mansion once before when she met the mayor early on. She probably met the mayor you know weeks prior or something like that and got invited to his house somehow. Yeah. I mean, what's fascinating about this book, it's such like a simple story. But there's so much we don't see because we're looking at it from Stefan's perspective. And there's so much happening behind the scenes that he's not even wondering about or thinking about or noticing. I know you kind of wish it was kind of written half Damon, half Stefan or half Catherine or even all three. You know, I mean, you see everything. Yeah, I'd love to get another point of view because Stefan's is pretty narrow. No, yeah, it definitely is. And it's really like, come on, dude, really look at what you're saying here. But so he's stupid anyway, and he goes in, he goes, he sees Giuseppe, and Giuseppe's like, you're supposed to be dead. You're one of them now, aren't you? And it's like, dun, 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 dun. And yes, he's like, father. no, well, Dad, I'm not going to become not one. Not yet. I wanted to prove to you that I'm not a monster. And he's like, you are a monster. <laughs> <laughs> See, but I don't, I don't want to kill anybody. I want to die. I don't want to be a vampire. 
And so that's when Giuseppe's like, I've got this cane and cracks it open and turns into a, a steak, a makeshift steak. And again, Stefan. Giuseppe is a survivor in this whole oh, story. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> For the most part. And, you know, but His Stefan sideswipes him, him. Yes. <laughs> he ends up stabbing his own father or his father ends up falling on piece of the on the stake and dying bleeding out he goes over to his dad and sees the blood coming out of this wound and like puts his hands over it and then looks at this his hand the and then tastes the, the blood worst. and then becomes a vampire this is like the worst scene for me in all of vampire diaries is like turning into a vampire by sucking on your dying father's blood like, Stefan, get the fuck out of <laughs> out here. Out of his gut. Like, this is Ugh, brutal. Yeah. <laughs> and then Stefan realizes, oh, I'm a vampire now. Hey, Dad, drink for me. Uh, uh, I can heal you. Uh. And he's like, no, I'd rather die. And then he does. He literally like, this does. Is so crazy. <laughs> and you're like, well, bye, Dad. I was like, I was waiting for him to, like, drink some more. But he didn't, thank God. But what he did do is he left the mansion. And he just starts taking a walk. And all he can smell is vervain everywhere. But in the middle of the vervain, he can smell this like sweet scent. And he's like, ooh, what is that scent? And he follows it and he finds the barmaid, Alice. Oh. And he just jumps her ass. <laughs> he's like, argh, argh, and just bites. She's like, step inside the door. You're supposed to be dead. And he's like, nope. And he just bites her. Yeah, he's and, a, like a monster from the beginning of being a vampire. Yes. He just, he he's like, I love this. I yeah. love the taste he's of blood. He's got bloodlust instantly. Yes, he does. And it's, yeah. Ugh. It's kind of, yeah, it gets a little more graphic as it goes. A, a little more, not too much. but uh, Yeah, um, it's not gruesome. It's just because some of these scenes were also in the show, I I am seeing the scenes. Yeah, play out in your head. Yeah. Yeah. And the movie reel in your head. <laughs> um, he ends up going over to Damon. He's like, Damon, all right, I know you want to kill yourself, but I, here's the thing. You need to become a vampire. He goes, oh, shit. You, you drank from somebody? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's probably I probably killed our father. But anyway, um... <laughs> He's like, look, dude, I have this barmaid here and she tastes great. Go ahead and take a drink. And he's like, come on, man. And he basically coaxes Damon to it with like basically forced. He's like, mm, yeah, making it's it look so nice. Good. Mm. He's drinking from it. Mm, this is a juice box. Mm. Mm, here. And, uh, mm. I can't believe it's not blood. See, you know, <laughs> come on. Blood light. No. And um, he ends up. Going, all right, David, here. And Damon's like, um, it's that's looking good. And he's like, Yeah, man, it's really good. And he basically coaxes Damon into drinking it. It's like, like a, a drug, drug pusher. pusher. Oh my god. <laughs> you pushing drugs? You drug pusher? You blood pusher. <laughs> blood pushers. <laughs> and he basically coaxes Damon Damon into Damon. He coaxes Damon into being a vampire. Wow, yeah. So that makes Damon into a vampire, and he's just, like, not talking to Stefan. And Stefan's like, all right, how you doing, brother? How you liking it? Hey, I got an idea. Let's do this. Come on. Let's go out and do oh, it. Yeah. It's great and being then, a vampire, isn't it? And Stefan says – Stefan is really talking about being a vampire. He's like, this is going to be fucking great. It's like 80s cocaine. Imagine that. He's like, this is going to be amazing. I can smell everything. I can see everything. And then he says, it's just us now. Forever. Brothers. There will be other Catherines forever. For eternity. Ew, Stefan, what? Ew. <laughs> it's like, dude, chill the F out. Also, like, oh she just died. He's crazy. 
there's better Catherines out there. Like, that's where Stefan is already. He's like, bigger, better Catherines. <laughs> the sky's the limit. Damon's like, I want to kill you, you asshole. He's like, yeah, you know what? It's just not. Damon just kind of turns place. to him. It's like, you know what? You're an asshole, and you've basically forced me to drink blood. I didn't want to become a vampire. And he's like, you know what, Stefan? I promise you, you're going to pay for this. Throughout, you're going to want to live forever, then you're going to get an eternity of me just screwing with your damn life. And that's what he says right before he leaves. And I love the, the he makes that he goes, he hears a crow squawk and fly off after him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> It just the is like is that where he got the connection with the crow that uh, we never really see ever again in the show except for like the first episode. I did love that, but I I do love just the absolute soap drama angst of one brother going, "I will make an eternity of misery for you," turning, sprinting into the woods, and then a single crow. so dramatic and Stefan (laughs) is just standing there alone and you know he has that Paul Wesley like what face that like he really does have like his own Dawson's Creek moment with the crying you know what I mean like he's like you know he he does his own like James Vanderbeek impression it's great (laughs) (laughs) he ends the book exactly as he started it made some mistakes sad alone and brooding no father, Bruce no brother, Stephen. no Catherine. Nobody. <laughs> I kind of want to read the rest, but I'm like, not right now, but I will. I, okay. So I wouldn't say this is like high literature or anything. You can read this in a couple hours if you want to. Like, it's pretty fast. Um If this weren't tied to an adaptation, there wouldn't be enough depth depth to it to fill in the gaps i think no it wouldn't it's, it, i don't see how anybody could have read this and like i want to see this show so yeah. see the show first if you're gonna if you're interested in this <laughs> see the show first and if you like the show you'll probably like the book because it, it, there's some things you learn and you get a little more insight into like the characters a little bit you know you kind of with a focused you know whose dynamic is what which i like by the way i like how we see you know stefan is this hopeless romantic and brooding mm-hmm. guy and then he instantly turns into the daemon when he turns into a vampire. Just kind of selfish. And that's basically his personality. And so when Damon, you know, when Catherine gets killed and he wakes up, he's like brooding when he turns into a vampire. Mm. And then, but then after a course of, you know, not being around each other, they go kind of revert back. But they're still, they're the same. They're each other's yin and yang. So when one's one yeah. way, the other one's got to be the other way. It's almost like, you know. Yeah, they like them- mirror each other. Yeah. In a in yeah, it's 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 really strange, but they end up turning because you know, as we all know, Stefan becomes a ripper. I think it was always okay. Here's what I I don't know. I think in this entire book, Stefan is so selfish. I don't think that's a Damon thing. All of this book is just about Stefan figuring out how to get the immediate thing that he wants. He doesn't care about anybody else's plans or lives or anything. Like, just because he's sweet doesn't mean he's not selfish. (laughs) (laughs) He can be both. He can be selfish. Yeah, he is. Yeah. I mean, but everybody's selfish to a degree if you think about it. I mean, look at Giuseppe. He's pretty selfish. and He doesn't want his sons to have any kind of, to go follow their dreams like he did. You know, he wants them to follow his dream. 
I think their dreams are dumb, and I think this book confirms at least half of that is true. Stefan's dreams ruined everyone's lives. And you know, I didn't even bring up the whole thing about the mom being gone. <laughs> oh, about, oh my God. You know, what's her, I don't remember her name, but their mother. Lily. And Lily. she was Lily. Yes. Their mother, Lily. And she was dead at this point. And they're just, oh my God. And I'm just there going, huh, she's not dead. Huh. Also, even in the show at this point, she wasn't, she didn't get brought back. It didn't right. happen until later after these she books gets, came like, out. Three mentions in the whole book, and it's just like, well, yeah, mom's dead. <laughs> I remember my mom was dead, and oh, remember that it's time like, mom died? <laughs> yeah, it's so strange how she is like not a presence in in their memories or lives. Like at no point is Stefan even like, wow, I love Catherine so much. I wish mom was here to meet her. <laughs> you know. I know. Well, I think it's because he was so young when it happened, but Damon remembers the mother more. Yeah. And, and that then we find out in like season six, I think. A major thing in the TV show. Is it season six? Yes. Because, okay, here's what I don't get though. And this is going to sound spoilery, I but think, it's and not. And it's the compass, it isn't it? The show, which is that like eventually we learn that like there are five humans in all of Mystic Falls. That's it. I don't even know how there have been people to populate this town over the generations because everyone's a fucking vampire in Mystic Falls. There's a lot of deaths. Why would anybody come to this town to make it grow? Okay, that too is like, how are they jobs? even replacing all the people who get murdered by all the supernatural elements? They have to outsource, I guess. It's the only thing I can think of. Hey, you got a cousin that lives in Atlanta, right? Set him up. Yeah, but they're probably a vampire and they're going to bring <laughs> get, their vampire friends because every there's I know there are so like, many vampires in so the vampire vampires. diaries or if they're not vampires, they've got to be a witch, witches, werewolves, or a werewolf. vampires, um, Hell, and then different combinations too. of all of those. Because <laughs> I mean, at one point we find out somebody else has a doppelganger and yeah. Yeah, the doppelgangers Everybody are very doppelgangers. confusing are, because it's like, first it's like there's the Petrova doppelgangers and that's like Catherine's lineage is the Petrova line. So sure, I guess her lineage is magical. But then Stefan also has doppelgangers and both of their doppelgangers go back a thousand years in an ancient love story. What? Thank you, Orlean, for coming on. And I, I mean, reading the book with me, I know that uh, <laughs> it's like, this is a lot of what I already know, but some of it wasn't, you know, someone's like, oh, I didn't know he was engaged before, you know, that kind of stuff. But it wasn't like great, but it was okay. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on. If you want to listen to her, she's on Spooky and Strange. It's a podcast available pretty much everywhere. And she, you know, like I said, again, she does the weird stories, the spooky stories, the sci-fi, everything you can think of that's just kind of spooky and strange, I guess you could say. <laughs> and if you want to talk to her or see her online, you go to Instagram or Twitter, which is she's at Spooky Orlean, correct? Yep, that's right. Come talk to me about weird stuff. She posts about all these books she reads, even the ones she doesn't put on the podcast, she'll post about them and it's, it's really cool. And uh, if you want to get in touch with me, you can go to um, 
Dustin underscore Holden on Twitter or at Dustin can read on Instagram, or you can email me at Dustin can read pod at gmail.com. Um, you can also reach out and go to buymeacoffee.com. You can see some stuff I post in blogs there. And if you want to leave me a tip, that'd be great. No pressure. Um, but I really do want to thank Orlean one more time because you're awesome. And we should definitely think about doing more with the Vampire Diaries. <laughs> I am on my 57th or so rewatch. So I have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> Good. Well, thank you so much for listening. And we hope to, you know, see you again next time. Bye. Bye. Dustin can read. I would say, by the way, I would say that Stefan is like Louie from the interview with the vampire. To oh, me, just broody yes. and just sad and poor little rich me. And yes, life is so hard. I'm so lonely. Yeah, uh-huh. nobody understands me. He's totally they're like the same person, <laughs> except they just their yeah. lives going different. And directions. Damon is like the other one where Damon is like, "Oh, you want something? I'll get you something. Shut up." <laughs> <laughs>